your uh, get your Bible out and uh, look at First John chapter number one. That's the epistle of First John in the back of your Bible. First John chapter one. I want you to look at God's word and hold it there in your lap. And uh, I, I want you to see three things here, if I can point them out to you. In verse, uh, the first one is in verses six and seven. If you have 1 John chapter number 1 in your vision and in view, I want you to say amen. amen. Notice what it says in verse number 6 and 7. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Now that is a simple way of God telling us if there's things in our life that brings darkness, and we say we're children of the light, we're contradicting the truth. Look at verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now, out of those two verses of Scripture, you can see God has provided Fellowship for His children. Everybody say that with me. Fellowship with His children. And the criteria of that fellowship is our confession of our sins, lining up with God's Word and professing Him as our sin bearer. Look at number two. Not only does He promise fellowship in 1 John chapter 1, but look at verse 4. It says, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Everybody say that last word in that verse with me, full. Ready? Full. How long has it been since you've been full and running over of the good grace of God? Not only does God provide fellowship, verses 6 and 7, when we are right with Him. Oh, what fellowship. Oh, what joy divine, the songwriter said. He provides fullness in verse number 4. Everybody's looking for joy and fullness and a gladness in their heart. But then look at verse 9. And that's the verse that I want to pivot out of tonight. Look at verse 9. It says, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not only do we see fellowship, verses 6 and 7, not only do we see fullness, verse 4, but we see forgiveness in verse 9. What a joy it is to know tonight I don't have to be perfect. What a joy it is to know tonight that no matter how large the load I haul to God in this buggy called life, I'm glad I can dump it all and there's enough blood to take care of my mess. I want you to look with me tonight for just a moment at this word forgiveness. Please, if you will, help me with everything you can. If you'll just sort of be still, it would be a blessing. Look at verse Number nine, let's take it apart tonight together. Notice, first of all, when we talk about forgiveness, the condition of it. Write it down somewhere in your Bible. What have I got to do 
to be forgiven? Have I got to count Hail Marys? Have I got to count beads? Have I got to go in a, a, a confessional booth? Have I got to somehow do a thousand different rituals in order to get God's favor? No, the Bible tells us one thing in verse number 9. If we confess. That's Bible doctrine, if we confess. I'm glad for the condition of my forgiveness is based on my confession of my fault. Remember when you was without God and the devil done everything he could to keep you away from this Bible? Every one of us fought tooth and nail, uh, trying to do what we could to do right and couldn't do it. But God got us under the sound of the gospel. God let the Word of God reach us like an arrow shot from the bow. And God brought Holy Ghost conviction to our heart. Now, we do not need to cover our sin. We need to confess it. We don't need to try to hide it. All of us are good at that. We have a natural, inbred instinct to cover it up. Am I right about it? All of us have to deal with it. And covering it up is the simplest thing for us to do to try to protect our image, but it is not the spiritual thing to do to protect our relationship. Cover up. One night, years ago, I was in a little old church with a fella, and he had had... Uh, a birthday on the Saturday before I got there on, a, uh, on Monday to preach for him. And uh, I was talking with him and just fellowshipping with him after the Monday night service, and he mentioned his birthday. And I found out that the church didn't do anything for him. They didn't even recognize it. I don't know if they knew. I don't know all the details. I just know that they didn't do anything for him. So I decided we'd have a party on Tuesday night for the preacher. I did it behind his back. I, I found the biggest gossip in the church. You've got to learn how to use people who talk a lot. Don't run no gossip off. Get her in your corner, and it's usually a her. Get her in your... Because, because men are too nonchalant and lazy to be gossipers. Amen. Just thought I'd throw that in. And, and so I, I asked a lady in the church, I said, I need to know, we're standing around after, after Monday, or, or the, the uh, uh, Monday night service when I got this idea. I said, tell me somebody in this place that, that talks a lot. Well, they showed her who, to, to me who she was, and I got, I got her with me. I said, let's, um, let's get on the phone. Can you help me with this? Get on the phone, and I want you to call every church member. A gossip's always got their numbers. And call all the numbers of these folks in church and get them here for uh, a get-together after the service. Tell them not to say nothing. And uh, so she did. And she did a great job. She was a good rebel. A good gossip. And, and she got them all together. Well, we went downstairs and put presents down there and fixed the lights where you could uh, hardly see in the corner. And I preached that next night, and uh, the preacher was standing there as we was closing the service. I said, now, don't leave, because tonight we're going downstairs in the fellowship hall, and we're going to have a, a fellowship, a party for the preacher. How many of y'all love him and are glad you have a preacher that's had a birthday, and, and we went through it all, and he was standing over there, you don't have to do that for me. 
You know, preachers are the biggest babies I've ever seen in my life. They get mad. They get mad if you don't do something and then act like you ain't gotta. Am I right about it? Yeah, you can go ahead and laugh because I know this one. So, I take him downstairs and he's got big old crocodile tears running off his face. And I take him down there and I say, let's sing happy birthday to the preacher. And we sang happy birthday. What he didn't know was I had got a woman in the church to make me two big cakes, about an inch and a half, two inches high, of cornbread. And I covered that cornbread up with chocolate icing. I went around the edge. I went around the top and put a design on it. I had that joker looking right. He's standing there. I said, go ahead and say something to the folk. He said, I wish you hadn't have done this. I said, you really are when it's over. I wish you hadn't have done And And he said, you cut it. I said, I cut it, but you get the first piece. Okay. I cut him a big old piece of that cake and gave it to him. And he said, thank you. They had presents. Well, he said, thank you, church. I appreciate it so much. And he bit into that cornbread and that chocolate. And he spit cornbread 40 miles. I'm not sure, but I think he cussed. I do. I do think he cussed. I think he cussed. And he turned around. By that time, I was in Miami. He, he, he turned around. He said, I'll kill you. If it's the last thing I do, I'll kid you. That woman walked up to me. She said, you know something? She said, no matter how much chocolate you put on cornbread, you ain't got no cake. You might put chocolate on top of your iniquity, but the truth is when you bite it, it ain't going to taste good. Somebody holler amen. There is another portion of this, this verse. The condition of forgiveness, listen to me, it's just asking him. It's just coming clean. I know how country folk are. I know how rural families live. I know how easy it is to want a reputation down here at the church more than a relationship. I know you. I love you. I thank God for you. But i got to tell you this because the gold of the gospel is hid in this nugget. It's not what people think they know about you that makes you a good Christian. It's what Jesus Christ knows about your heart that's going to straighten your life up with Him. Am I right about it? Number two. Not only the condition of forgiveness, but look at the certainty of forgiveness. Look, it's all in verse 9. If we confess our sins, watch this. Here it is, comma. He is faithful. Say that with me. Faithful. Say it again. Faithful and just. We'll never bring anything falsely against you. That's a lie. All His records are true. All His notes are perfect. All His computing is absolutely upright and just. A judge may take a kickback in Paulding County. A lawyer may be as crooked, you'll have to scream in the ground when he dies. But I promise you this, Jesus will never bring a railing accusation 
against you. That is not true. He said he's faithful. And he is just. Listen to me. There are people in this auditorium tonight that do not know for sure whether or not you're right with God because you have a problem with Him forgiving some of the things you've done and other things you've done you see He might. But Lord, I need help and I need You to let me feel like I'm forgiven. Forgiveness is not based on feeling. Forgiveness is based on two things. The faithfulness of Jesus to die for you and the justness of Jesus to tell the truth. Truth is, we all should have went to hell. But the other side of that truth is, we can't. Why? Because one who is faithful and just It's not based on how you feel. It's based on what you believe about what He's done for you. Feelings. Years ago, uh, my, my wife, I was driving back and forth to Greenwood, South Carolina, preaching for a boy. Don't miss it. Listen closely. And uh, I was getting home about 12.30, 1 o'clock every night, working during the daytime, preaching at night. I got home about Tuesday or Wednesday night, and I went in there and sat on the edge of the bed, and she was curled up like a cat. I said, are you hungry? She rolled over and looked at me with a surprising look. She said, no. I said, I am. She said, congratulations. (laughs) A woman like that ought to be taken out in her pajamas and run off in public. But I let her stay for the gospel's sake. I said, why don't you get up and we'll get something to eat? She said, because I'm asleep. I said, you're talking to me. I'm talking in my sleep. I ain't getting up. Don't even think about it. I said, suit yourself. I just took all my clothes off and and, and I, I, I go in the kitchen and open the refrigerator And I just prayed a generic blessing. I said, God, help everything in this icebox. I was about to starve to death. And I ain't no cook. And and my eyes get bigger in my stomach. I took the bread out. I took the cheese out. I got the bologna out. I I got everything in there out. And the milk. And I set it all on the table. And I sat down in the chair. And I said, now, Lord, it's been good knowing you. But I'm fixing to eat myself to death. You don't help I built me a sandwich about that high. I mean, you had to have somebody to help you hold it. I cut that joker in half, and I ate, I ate that thing. And how many of you, how many of you know what a choco gel cake is? A little chocolate one with that little, that little stuff in the middle that makes you just tongue beat your brain out. Them little things that you just like to eat about two o'clock in the morning, seven or eight of them. And, and, and I, I, I ate that sandwich and, and, and gave them choco gels all they could handle. I went to bed about two hours. I heard the lettuce say to the bread, move over, I'm getting out of here. The bread said, you ain't going nowhere till I do. 
The tomato said, if you'll notice, I'm sitting on top of both of y'all. And the mayonnaise said, no, 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 no. I agree is the way. It ain't going to happen. I sat up on the edge of the bed and I heard all kinds of noises. I heard all kinds of conversation going on. I said, oh God, I'm going to die. I, I wondered where I'd go to heaven from. It's going to be right here with a rebellious woman. If I'm going to die, kill me somewhere with somebody I don't want to kill. I was sitting on the bed. I went in that smallest room in our house. Not a closet. And I prayed, oh God, I don't feel saved. God, I don't feel religious. God, I don't feel nothing but a bellyache. Would you help me please in Jesus' name to feel good again? You see, I was just as much a Christian full of lettuce. I was just as much a Christian full of bread. I was just as much a Christian full of bologna. What I felt like did not affect my Christian life one bit. And I want to tell you tonight, God has paid your sin debt. God has worked on your behalf. It doesn't matter what you feel like. God has made it right based on His Word. Somebody holler, Amen. Let me, let me, let me, let me give you that last one. Let me give you the last. The first one is the condition of forgiveness. Asking. You say, that's just too cheap. That's too easy. Live like I've lived and just ask him and he wipes it all away. Adultery, fornication, stealing, lying, thieving, gambling, foolishness. Just tell God you're sorry. There's where you have a problem feeling it. Because you think you're a better sinner than he is a Savior. You will never out the blood of the Savior. Give him praise and glory in the house of God tonight. I'm glad that the blood still cures all. And then look at, look at the certainty of forgiveness. He's faithful and just. Then lastly, look at the completeness of it. Notice what he says. I'm going to read it and sit down. He says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, comma, and to cleanse us from, to cleanse us from, one more time, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All. What does all mean in the Greek, preacher? All. What does it mean in Aramaic? All. What does it mean in English? All. Every transgression committed can be put under the blood. And God remembers it no more. I lived like a derelict fool for 21 years. My lifestyle and my entire character was foolishness. One discotheque here, one party here, just running with the crowd, doing what I pleased, burning my life up. At 21 years old, been halfway around the world and back, and seen nothing and felt nothing, and was trying to plug my life into everything that didn't matter and unplug from everything that did And Jesus passed by where I was. 
and said, I will take you just like you are, you filthy bondage. Ask me. I'll take you. And he took me in. I have a secretary that works for me. Has, she's been there for almost 30 years. Three or four years ago, she come running down the hallway. And she said, with tears busting out of face, I, I just happened to be in the hallway at the time as she's going to the church office. And she had just come out of uh, one of the other girls' office. And she said, we've lost it. We've lost them all. Big old tears running. I said, God knows, woman. What have you lost? What, what all have you lost? She said, the whole church membership. She said, I had it in the computer. And I hit the wrong button. And they're all gone. I said, Hallelujah. Don't tell nobody. Leave it alone. God's still on the throne. Not one. When you hit that delete button, I found out it ain't nary a single one left. It hit me what she was saying. It hit me what she was observing. It hit me what she was coming forth with. And I thought, dear God, I remember that day when I was laden with sin, heavy laden and heavily burdened down. And God hit the delete button and all my sins are gone. Good God Almighty, they're gone. Then I found out she had a backup disc. <laughs> of which God don't have. Forgiveness. We're going to bow our heads and pray. I want you to do that right now, Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for this great place. Thank you for Brother Curtis, Sister Pam, this church family. We don't deserve a whole lot, but we do ask this favor. Show favor to this congregation and reveal to them that you've done it all. You've already completed the work. You said it is finished. You said it's done. There's nothing can be added or taken away. It's all done. Our mishaps, our missteps, our mistakes, they're all taken care of through confession. I confess to get in, and I confess to stay in correctly. Thank you for all that you do for us. Somebody slipped up this week. Somebody's mind's playing tricks on them this week. They think, well, I guess I'm lost. I guess I'm undone now. I was done up pretty good, but now I guess I'm done undone because I slipped up or I failed or I didn't do right. Oh, no. He's faithful and just. And I ask you tonight to be faithful to the children of God. 
in this house tonight. And may they see that that forgiveness is not based on how we feel. And it's not based on how much we think God took care of. For He has taken care of all unrighteousness. I love you. I bless you. I thank you for what we've said tonight because what we've said tonight means much to me. When I look at my life and I look at my past and I look at my inabilities and I look at my weaknesses, I'm glad you prepared a way for me to have fellowship with God. I ask you now tonight to touch people all over this building. I want you to stand straight up and come to the front if God's been speaking to you this week and you've waited even to the last night. Maybe God spoke to you tonight, right now. Just come on. Stand up and come. Just stand and come. Right now, right now, right now. Just come. Just come. Let us pray for you. Right where you Just humor me a moment. We may do it just a little different tonight than we have another night. I want you to step up out of your seat. Right up out of your seat and come and let us pray for you. Anybody here tonight, anyone that God has been speaking to or working with or touching all week and you've waited and you've stalled and you've wanted to do it. you wanted to do it right. you wanted to do it as God's speaking to you to do it. I want you to come. Come. That's it. God bless you. Come on. From the back, from the middle, from the front. I don't care where you are. Just slip out and come. You say, well, everybody will know. Well, there's one person in here that already knows. And that's God, but He'll take care of it. What they know don't matter. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's it. Preacher, my life's been stained. My life's been backslidden. My life's been carnal. I have let things happen I shouldn't have. I've let, maybe some of these kids in this choir. Maybe some of the kids in the first choir. Maybe in the adult choir. Maybe anywhere in this auditorium. God is speaking to you. And He wants you to surrender to Him and to give your life back to Him and to, and to give your life totally to Him. Come on, son. God bless you. I got more confidence and I got more respect for a teenager that'll repent before God than I have one that can run a a hundred yard dash in ten seconds. I'm glad, thank God, for the Holy Spirit working in these kids' lives. Come on. Anybody else? Preacher, you come. Take the service. Thank you for having us. People are walking now. Would you stand? Maybe you need to come. We're still giving you an opportunity. This invitation is not.